This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The state Senate wasted no time in getting to work this year, passing 25 bills in the first two days of the legislative session. I don't care if we had unfinished business. I want to get it back into the pipeline. I want to get it back to the House of Delegates so they can consider them. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. The Center for Organ Recovery and Education, known as CORE, celebrates a fourth consecutive year of record-breaking donations. Emily Rice has more. CORE saw a 23% increase in organ transplants last year with 858 life-saving transplants made possible by 334 organ donors. Cheryl King is CORE's Community Outreach Coordinator. She said organ donation is used to save lives as well as to heal lives. And a lot of people, when they think about core and about organ donation, they don't realize that there is also tissue and cornea donation. So someone may not need a heart, but they may need corneas. The need for donors remains urgent with nearly 500 people waiting for a life-saving transplant in West Virginia. To register today, visit core.org forward slash register. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. The first round of Hope Scholarship money was awarded to families on Friday. As Shepard Snyder reports, it comes after months of legal battles. Nearly 1,800 students and their families received vouchers to cover educational expenses for non-public schools. More than 1,600 of that number were granted the full annual amount of nearly $4,300. Around 460 applicants are still waiting for their payments because of date inconsistencies in the West Virginia Education Informational System of when students transferred schools. Nearly 3,000 families applied for HOPE scholarship funds before an injunction in Kanawha Circuit Court halted the program last May. It was lifted in October by the state's Supreme Court of Appeals. Advocates of the HOPE scholarship program say it's a victory for school choice, while opponents say it's taking away needed money from the state's public school systems. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg. Unity was the theme for Monday's state capitol celebration of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and legacy. As Randy Yowie shows us, the human rights that Dr. King fought for decades persevere to this day. A symbolic march from a downtown Charleston church to the Capitol steps traditionally begins West Virginia's Martin Luther King Day ceremony. Fitting for the theme, there was unity among the diverse crowd. The Capitol High School VIP Choir's rendition of the song Unity set a melodic and insightful tone. Among the crowd was nationally recognized journalist, author, women's rights activist, and Muslim Asra Namani. Born in India, she was raised and educated in West Virginia. In 2003, Namani was the first woman in her Morgantown, West Virginia mosque to pray in the male-only main hall. It was another groundbreaking, precedent-setting action. Namani says continuing Dr. King's crusade for race, religion, creed, and gender rights for human rights is vital for everyday life to move forward. It begins with all of us. 
social justice and human rights is for all of us, whatever I, our identity. Dr. Martin Luther King was so clear that we can have no hierarchy of human value. Young people, like West Virginia State students Diori Robinson and John Fitzpatrick, say they stand firm with helping to champion Dr. King and Astra Namani's human rights campaign. I think it's extremely important. Everyone needs their human rights. Everyone in the world matters, no matter what race you are, ethnicity, anything like that. A lot of people think that Martin Luther King was only fighting for colored people, but really he was fighting for, like you said, all human rights. Another MLK Day state capitol tradition, the Freedom Bell Ring. This year, with anti-racism and transgender among human rights issues facing West Virginians, that bell rings with passion and purpose. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 748. Rain and gusty winds, some clearing in the west this afternoon. High temperatures in the 40s and 50s. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain in the east. Lows in the 30s and low 40s. WV511 is reporting a vehicle crash in Putnam County on eastbound I-64, mile marker 44. With the start of the 2023 legislative session, the Senate is off and running, passing bills out of the upper chamber on the first day of session. For the legislature today, Chris Schultz sat down with Senate President Craig Blair to discuss his plan for the session. Sir, you came into the session letting everyone know that you wanted to get straight to work, and I'd like to talk about what work exactly you want to achieve this year. But first, I want to ask you if you could explain to us why the Senate started out by suspending its own rules and passing 25 bills last week? Well, that's nothing new. Okay, we did it the previous year and the year before that. Uh, I've got a, I use this example. I'm a plumber. Say your water heater goes bad in your home, and then I come to fix it, and at 5 o'clock I'm not done the job, and I say, okay, didn't get it done. I'll be back tomorrow, and you come in, and the same process repeats again. Nothing, the water heater never gets fixed. It's the same dynamic. Why did we do this? The bills that we passed out, uh, the vast majority, all passed by near unanimous, uh, if not unanimous, last year. There was minority bills in there uh, that, that had passed last year. I don't care. If we had unfinished business, I want to get it back into the pipeline. I want to get it back to the House of Delegates so that they can consider them. And then if the House of Delegates, I would hope that they do the same thing with us. That way there's not a log jam at the end of the session of things that didn't get done. Get, get proactive. Get after it early. And uh, if the House would do the same thing, good. Then we'll take those bills up immediately and have, unless we have a disagreement with the bill. Uh, to, but, you know, those, those bills are important to people. And so especially then I added more. Uh, DHHR, PIA, which PIA, uh, that, the reimbursement on that, uh, that, that was from last year. 
where we had passed it out and the House didn't take it up, but it's proven that it needed to be done. Good news is, is the governor put the money in his budget for the reimbursement rate to be right on that, which is $40 million. Well, you brought up a lot of the things that I want to talk to you about. But before we move on from this topic, one of the things that I'm curious about is that you have nine new members in your uh, chamber this year. That's almost a quarter, actually just a little bit more than a quarter of your uh, sitting senators. How is How does it work for them to, to vote on this legislation that they had nothing to do with last year? Oh, my golly. Uh, first of all, some of them were House members uh, on, on that count, and then we bring them up to speed. See, what we do is we've been caucusing. Ever since the election is finished, our members have been brought up to speed on a lot of the different issues, made aware of what's going on. And some of these aren't complicated issues. Some of the bills were only like a page or two long uh, on that. And But then we caucus every morning at 7.30 here. They come in. And we get together and we have the attorneys come in. We have different people before our caucus getting them up to speed on what's going on. And then the minority, there were no new members on that. And if one of the new members had a concern about a bill, I would actually pull it back. We started out with way more uh, than 23. We backed it. Those numbers got back down. Uh, but this is the caucus wants to be proactive. We understand that we're in the business of making the lives better for the people of West Virginia. And uh, just sitting and waiting, and, and, and I'm about transparency. This is why our committee rooms have cameras in them. This is why we do all the things that we do. We, I wanna be transparent, but I'm not gonna be ridiculous and not get the work done for the people of West Virginia. So we, we push forward. So as you said, you know, the, the watchword has been so far from your office, get to work, right? Watch phrase, I guess. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What exactly is it that you want to achieve this session? Well, t t look, t two years ago, yeah, when I was first become elected Senate president, I said that my number one priority was to have 400,000 people move to the state of West Virginia. We need that. We need the population growth. It stimulates the economy all in itself. And we've been working towards that. And guess what? The beautiful part is more people have moved to our state in the last year than what has moved out, but our population still declined. Why? Because we have more people passing than are being born. That's because we've got our, our younger people do have a tendency of leaving the state for gainful employment. So we change that dynamic. We get ready and change our tort laws, our tax laws, our education, make all of it so that it works to be able to attract business. When you attract business, then the 400,000 people are right under our nose. It's our youth. It's our, the people, the children. I call them feedstock. I shouldn't. But they are. Of, we're graduating them from our universities. We're graduating them from our community or technical colleges. We're graduating them from our high schools. And if we provide gainful employment to these, our youth, they won't go anywhere. Then they love the state to begin with. They fall in love, they fall in love with a mate, and then they make children. They have children. And that feeds into the education system, and that makes it so that you can actually have more businesses come to this state. It's a recurring event that actually is about growing a state rather than surviving or declining. In our state, we all have to admit that for decades it's been in a decline. And that is unacceptable. And that's the legislative mindset 
that we've got here, whether it's the governor, whether it's the House, whether it's the Senate. And I'll have to say that it's become so contagious that state employees, everybody's getting in on the act. And you can see it by the economic development investment that is taking place on this state, in this state. So a couple things there that I think uh, I would maybe consider to be cornerstones of your project to keep people in West Virginia and expand our population education and, uh, you know, quality jobs. Uh, two things I'd like to point out to you, you know, as you already know, our college going rate is the lowest in the country. You mentioned that, you know, graduating students and making sure that they're well-educated so that they can fill in these jobs that you are bringing into the state. What are we going to see from the Senate this year to help bridge that gap between the low college going rate and the high-quality jobs that are coming into the state? Okay, first of all, let's get something straight on this here. We, we, the education is not that bad, okay? On paper, it looks worse than, but our best and brightest leave the state mm-hmm. for the gainful employment, okay? Brad Smith just came back to the state as the president of Marshall University, who did very well with the West Virginia education, okay? What we want to do is make it so that we have more of that dynamic in the state of West Virginia. But then you have people like me. Look, I'm a master electrician, a master plumber, a refrigeration engineer, certified water specialist. There's a whole host of things that I've done I'm good at. I don't have one degree, not one. Mm -hmm. There should be associate degrees for everything that I just named. That is one of the things that we're going to attempt to do this year in our education system because we don't look good on paper. But we are good when it comes to having people that are ready to go to work in in our mining industry specifically. We have some of the best and brightest people there is out here that does a dirty job. And I'm not afraid of getting my hands dirty. Another reason why you start your work day at 7.30 in the morning and then you get productive. Okay, and that's what our miners do. That's what the people do in the fossil fuel industry. But we got to have the manufacturing also. Those are value-added products, and that's where true wealth comes from. That was Senate President Craig Blair speaking with Chris Schultz. To hear the rest of this interview, visit our website for the legislature today. You can also tune into the show Monday through Friday on radio and television at 6 p.m. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.